Hey kids, it's Thursday, so you know what time it is. That's right, it's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. This week, we have episode number 21, which was originally released on Wednesday, January the 17th, 2007. And folks, I gotta tell you, you are not going to hear another episode like this one for the rest of your days. Bold claim, I know, but it happens to be true. I mean, it has to be, because I only recorded one of these. Anyway, enjoy the show. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that tastes like chicken. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx Broadcasting production. Lynx, like the cat. Yeah, you know what a cat sounds like by now. Just like a comic book! Just like a comic book! Welcome to episode number 21 of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, January the 16th, 2007, and just can't stand it when people run their fingernails down a chalkboard. I'm your host, Stephen, and I just want to say that I love each and every one of you with the whole of my heart. Now, before we really dig into this week's episode, I have something I want to say about a little new Avengers news that's been posted over at Newsarama. Normally, I'd handle the news in the news section, but I wanted to take a moment to give my two cents for what it's worth on this little piece of information. See, at Newsarama over the past week, they, along with Brian Michael Bendis, have been introducing us to the new lineup to the new Avengers, one member at a time. On Wednesday the 10th, they let us in on the first member of the new lineup, Echo. This will be Echo herself, not Echo dressed up in the Ronin suit and looking like a man. On Thursday the 11th, they let us meet the second member of the new lineup, Ronan. Wait a minute, what? Ronan? Ronan? Ronan. Uh, weren't he already a, a member of the new Avengers? I mean, yeah. isn't that Echo? What's going on? Well, as Mr. Bendis states... Here, Gary, could you read that, please? Why, sure. Once Echo is done in Japan, yeah. there will be no need for her to be Ronan anymore. No, please. The suit, the identity, will have served its purpose. What? There will be another person in the Marvel Universe without a theme, without a motivation, yeah. or who may have lost their desire to wear the costume they were wearing, oh, and this person will don the costume uh, as the masterless samurai of the Marvel Universe for the time to come. Thank you, Gary. That's, that's, d- okay. that's just dumb. No, that- Norman, let me just finish what uh, I want to say here. Fine. Okay, so I guess we're trying the whole who is Ronin thing once again, huh? Because as far as I can recollect, it didn't go that well the first time. I mean, all us fanboys and girls were all over the internet posting our guesses as to whom Ronan was when the new Avengers first launched. And I don't know about the rest of you, but when I read the issue with the reveal that Ronan was Echo, I could actually hear the sound wah, wah, wah. But, but hey, that, that's just me. Maybe it'll go better this time around. Hope springs eternal. I also wanted to talk about moving the Just Another Fanboy message board over with all them other great comic book podcast forums up at the Comic Geek Speak boards. Everyone over there has been very welcoming, and it's starting to feel pretty homey. Oh, and speaking of the new forum, if you've checked it out over the last couple of days, you'll notice a few sticky threads up there that I've posted to help make you all a part of the show. First off, I'm going to start having pre-show threads. In those threads, I'm going to tell you in advance what books I'll be speaking about in a particular future episode. 
and I invite all of you to post your thoughts on these books or even send in a voicemail. Secondly is the Ask the Fanboys thread. Post there with any and all questions directed towards Norman, Gary, or myself, and we'll answer them on the show. Sounds easy enough, right? But hey, enough with all the mishmash. I'm ready to roll. I've got my vanilla frappuccino with me this evening to help me get through this particular episode because I have a feeling I'm going to be up late. So I'm going to be gulping this down. See, listen, listen, listen. Oh, that's what I like to hear, baby. Anyway, listeners' feedback. Hey, howdy, hey! We got some feedback this week. First up, a voicemail from Jesse. Hey, Steve, this is Jesse, your friend from North Carolina. I recently saw one of the figures of what Venom's, the movie Venom is going to look like, and he is missing his uh, distinct silhouette that uh, Spider-Man has. And, of course, since Spider-Man does not have the silhouette, Venom does not have a silhouette. This does not sit very well with me, so it's just a, a little bit of a gripe, and just to hear your thoughts on that. Talk to you later. All right, bye. Jesse, my boy, long time no here. You know, Jesse, um, <clears throat> I haven't actually seen the Venom action figure yet, uh, yet, but if by silhouette you mean that kick-butt white spider that the comic book Venom has on his chest, well, I don't know. I mean, it works in the comics, it looks pretty sweet in the comics, but it might come off as a little cheesy on film, so I, I can understand why they haven't gone with it. But thanks for the voicemail, Jesse. Keep them coming. And now... On to a couple of email. Chris Parton from ComicAddiction.com writes, Stephen, what's up, fanboy? I like eggs. Thank you. Eggs are good, aren't they, Chris? Especially fried with butter. Yum, yum. And then Chris sent in a second email in which he says, Stephen, no, seriously. I wanted to email and let you know, other than eggs, I really loved episode number 19. It was the first episode of Just Another Fanboy I've listened to, and it's just great. Keep up the great work. On a side note, I'd like to send a special telegram to Gary via the Violent Telegram Company in the form of a headbutt to the face. What? The telegram reads, get over it, old man. Everyone knows it's stopped the cat box. Thank you. Well, hey, what you picking on me for? Settle down. I I think Chris might be a little confused. You're dang right he's confused. I'm the one who complained about the Stop the Cat box. I am Norman, Oklahoma. I am the pissed off one. He is Gary, Indiana, and he's just a kid, man. I mean, come on. uh, What? Huh? What? I'll get get it, guys. You you keep on talking. I'll get the door. You know, I just don't understand why. how, How could you confuse the two of us when... We are both very dissimilar. I know. I mean, I'm just... I don't understand why he could... What? I'm looking for Gary, Indiana. Well, that's me. Wait! Oh! (laughs) Your messages? Get over it, old man. Everyone knows it stopped the cat box. Man, that weren't cool. Thank you. That weren't cool. Man, he hit me in the nose with his head, man. man. That doesn't feel good, Come man. On. I think Come I want to go lay down. Come on, buddy. I'll go take you somewhere. Right. Let's go lay down. That's just not cool. Yikes. Well, I, uh, I guess I should just, uh, since they're leaving, uh, Chris, actually, <laughs> Chris actually sent in another email. Uh, it says, 
Hey guys, once again, Just Another Fanboys podcast was top-notch and well worth the price of admission. Yeah, the podcast is free, but it's still worth every cent I paid. Steven, I've got to admit I'm one of the few people in fandom that has not read Marvel Zombies. I'm waiting for the movie because you know it's coming. Gary, I agree with you when it comes to Superman Returns. It's kind of creepy at times, but what would you do if you could hover, see through walls, and could hear really good? On second thought, I don't want to know. Norman, that telegram I sent via the VTS should have gotten there by now. Oh, well, <laughs> it's, it's already here, Chris. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I do want to say that uh, Chris runs a website called, um, I think it's comicaddict.com. Let me look here on my, my sheet here. Comicaddiction.com. It's uh, it's a nice little site. I haven't really given it much of a browse yet, being one who can't be on the Internet too much. But what I did look at, it looks pretty good. There, there's two things I like out of a comic book website. You know, what I look for in a comic book website, and that is news and reviews of books. Chris, you got them both. Check out comicaddiction.com. Um, I guess we should do some news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. Sorry, sorry, Gary. Sorry. Hello, folks. News announcer guy here. And this is where I would normally say this week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by... But this week I'm not going to because the check hasn't cleared yet. I'm off. Everyone agrees, the immortal Iron Fist is poised to be the breakout hit of 2007. Marvel is happy to announce that Immortal Iron Fist number 2 has sold out at Diamond, following in the wake of the premiere issue's sellout. Currently, Marvel has no plans to go back to press on issue number 2. Mike Williams of SilverBulletComicBooks.com says Immortal Iron Fist number 2 continues the quality work most readers have come to expect from Brubaker. His and Matt Fraction's new series definitely is making a case for thinking 2007's going to be the year of Iron Fist. Kenneth Gallant of BrokenFrontier.com says, This series will probably be the breakout title in 2007 for Marvel Comics. Hop on board Immortal Iron Fist now as Iron Fist is in store for one heck of a 2007 as he becomes an increasingly important player in the Marvel Universe. Not only is there a second printing of issue number one on Stands Now, featuring a gorgeous Gabrielle Del Otto cover, but Marvel is releasing a director's cut of the first issue in the coming weeks, going behind the scenes of Iron Fist's return to an ongoing series. The cover for the director's cut will be the colors to pencils fade of Immortal Iron Fist number one's cover as seen on other director's cuts. Also note, copies of Immortal Iron Fist number two may still be available at the retailer level. Three Civil War one-shots, Civil War War Crimes, Winter Soldier, Winter Kills, and Iron Man, Captain America, Casualties of War have all sold out at Diamond. Marvel is going back to press on these quick sellouts, reprinting the one-shots in Civil War, Casualties of War, a comic similar to the Civil War reprint comics, Civil War Amazing Spider-Man Decisions, and Civil War Thunderbolts, Swimming with Sharks. Plus, the much-sought-after Black Panther's Civil War tie-in issues have become so red-hot that Marvel is releasing Black Panther War Crimes, a similar reprinting that collects Black Panther number 21 through number 23, which have all sold out at Diamond. 
though not originally announced as a part of the larger Civil War event, the one-shots making up Civil War casualties of war have proven to be engrossing reads, adding increased depth to the crossover, while Black Panther's Civil War tie-ins have proved to be intriguing chapters of the Civil War story. Kevin Powers of SilverBulletComicBooks.com called Winter Soldier Winter Kills phenomenal and one of the most genuine character-driven stories I have read in a while. Nick Marino of AvengersForever.org has called Black Panther a hot topic of discussion and a fun comic book with a unique take on Civil War. Black Panther still has a large role to play in Civil War, as well as a new high-profile role in the post-Civil War Marvel Universe. So pick up Black Panther War Crimes for the beginning of large changes in the lives of T'Challa and Aurora, and for three important standalone Civil War stories all inside one comic. Do not miss Civil War Casualties of War. Please note copies of Civil War War Crimes, Winter Soldier Winter Kills, and Iron Man Captain America Casualties of War may still be available at the retailer level. As if 52 from D.C. wasn't enough books to read in one month, now comes World War III. World War III will occur in week 50 of 52, and there will be four one-shot shipping during 50 as well, all tied to the events of World War III. The four one-shots are World War III Part 1, Call to Arms, written by Keith Champagne, penciled by Pat Alif, inked by Drew Garassi, cover by Ethan Van Skyver. World War III Part 2, The Valiant, written by Keith Champagne, penciled by Andy Smith, inked by Ray Schneider, cover by Ethan Van Skyver. World War III Part 3, Hell is for Heroes, written by John Ostrander, penciled by Tom Derenick, inked by Norm Rappand, cover by Ethan Van Skyver. World War III Part 4, United We Stand, written by John Ostrander, penciled by Jack Judson, inked by Rodney Ramos, cover by Ethan Van Skyver. And on DVD this week, nothing. There ain't nothing coming out this week on DVD that has me all a tingle. Though there are a couple of great titles coming out in horror. Die, You Zombie Bastards, and Wood Chipper Massacre. That sounds like some clean, good old family fun. And that was this week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. And now my comic book, Picks of the Week. Number one this week comes from week two of December 2006, and it's from DC Comics. It's Justice League of America number four. This is chapter four of The Tornado's Path. It's entitled Being Human. It's written by Brad Meltzer, penciled by Ed Benes, inked by Sandra Hope. The letterer is Rob Lay. The colorist is Alex Sinclair. The associate editor is Janine Schaefer, and the editor is Eddie Berganza. 
the league is starting to come together as Black Lightning busts into that meeting that's been happening for the last three issues, where Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman try to decide who they will invite to join the new league. Black Lightning shows up with Hot Girl and an unconscious bad guy whom I think is Trident, if I remember correctly. Anyway, whoever it is seems to have one of those tiny Starro starfish things on his neck. But they soon discover it's not the real deal, but something that has been manufactured by Dr. Ivo. Is it Dr. Ivo or Professor Ivo? Dang. Anyway... Whichever it is, he's one of the dudes behind the theft of Red Tornado's android body, and Green Lantern, Black Canary, and Arsenal track Ivo down to get the body back. Now, this issue is sweet. It's the best one of them by far. Uh, There's a great moment where Hal, that's Green Lantern, keeps wanting to call Arsenal Roy. Why does he want to call him Roy? Well, because that's his name. But Hal keeps tripping up on the name and instead starts referring to him as Red Arrow, which is awesome. Now, Brad Meltzer, in my mind, is a certified genius. And Ed Benes is an artist that I never followed before, but will be now. So check out Justice League of America number four. Check out the whole series. Uh, if you're not buying them and you can't find them, well, then then try to find them in trade when they come out, because this one definitely does not disappoint. Number two this week also comes out of week two of December 2006. It's also by DC Comics, and it's Green Arrow number 70. This is Seeing Red Part 1, entitled Out of Town Guests. This issue is written by Judd Winnick, penciled by Scott McDaniel, inked by Andy Owens, the colorist is Guy Major. The letterer is Pat Brousseau. The associate editor is Tom Palmer Jr. And the editor is Mike Carlin. Now, not a lot happens in this issue as Green Arrow and the new Speedy break up a gun-running operation with a little help from Batman. Batman is in town because Bruce Wayne has donated a considerable sum of money to help build Berkeley Gardens, a housing development that's been a pet project of Mayor Ollie Queen. Oh, and and the Red Hood shows up at the end. Okay. Like I said, this book was okay. Uh, I'd rate it as an eh. I mean, I love Green Arrow, but I'm not so keen yet on this Red Hood guy. I mean, the outfit just puts me off. He'd, He'd be cooler, in my opinion, if they didn't try to cool up his look and just left him in, you know, his tuxedo and cape from, uh, I think it was The Killing Joke, when we learned that the Joker came from uh, originally being the Red Hood. But that's number two this week, Green Arrow number 70. And on to number three, uh, which comes from week three of December 2006. It's yet another DC book, and it's Checkmate number nine. Uh, The story is entitled Pawn 502 Part 2, and it's written by Greg Rucka with art by Jesus Saez. And this is how the rest of the credits roll according to the book. First team, Travis Lanham. Second team, Santiago Arcus. Logistics, Rachel Gluckstern. And Command, Joan Hilty. Okay, so Checkmate has a guy undercover as an agent for Cobra, but before he can do anything worthwhile, the cell he is operating in is raided and arrested by the Department of Metahuman Affairs. So, Checkmate has to come up with a way to get him out of jail and back with Cobra and make it convincing. And for this, they use the help of Shadow Pact. Okay, so I dropped this title like a hot brick, and this issue is making me see the error of my ways. I never should have dropped this book. But I did, and now I have to live with my decision. 
I suck. And we close this week with my number four pick. It comes out of week three of December. It's a Marvel book out of their Icon line, and it's Criminal Number 3. This is part three of Coward, and it's written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips and colors by Val Staples. Greta and Leo have escaped from the botched theft of a police evidence van and are hiding out in the sticks. They got away with what was supposed to be a case of diamonds, but is instead a case full of uncut heroin that has a street value of well over $9,000. Greta and Leo need to stay hidden because they know that whoever set up that score is going to want that smack, and they're willing to kill for it. Now, I am pretty darn glad I chose to pick up this book, and that decision pretty much makes up for my asinine decision to drop Checkmate. So if you like crime books, pick this one up. But unlike my previous three picks, this one is definitely not for the kids, so keep that in mind. And those were my comic book picks of the week. Got your own picks? Well, I dare you to write in with them at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. Better yet, I dare you, no, I double, nay, I triple dog dare you to call in your picks at one 309 8367 extension 212. What are you, a coward or something? Everybody else is doing it. Don't you want to be cool? Anyway, let's move on to At The Movies with Gary Indiana. film producer, a writer turned action hero, a star of an actress with an empty place in her heart, and one giant monkey. Actually, it's an eight, but, you know, monkey just sounds funnier. Uh, anyway, what's in my DVD player this week? King Kong by Peter Jackson. Set in the 1930s, this is the story of a young and beautiful actress, Anne Darrow, from the world of vaudeville, who finds herself lost in Depression-era New York, and her luck changes when she meets an overambitious filmmaker named Carl Denham, who brings her on an exploratory expedition to a remote island where she finds compassion and the true meaning of humanity with an ape named Kong. The Beauty and the Beast finally meet their fate back in the city of New York, where the filmmaker takes and displays the ape in quest of his fame by commercial exploitation, which ultimately leads to catastrophe for everyone, including a playwright, Jack Driscoll, who falls in love with Anne and plays an unlikely hero by trying to save her from Kong and her destiny. Now this movie kicked so much tuckus that I stayed up past midnight to watch this flick, and though I was dragging rump all the next day, it was completely worth it. Now, Peter Jackson just needs to retire. There's just no way he's going to beat this flick. Granted, I thought the same thing after The Lord of the Rings, but I think he's done. He still needs to do The Hobbit, but that's it. How could he top this one? I mean, he can't. Unless he does a new Conan. Let's just think about that one for a little bit. Hmm. Now, the special effects in King Kong were just incredible. There were a couple of times where I could tell that the actors weren't obviously in the same room as the creatures, and it did take me out of the movie for just a moment, but that moment was so short that I still think the movie kicked some serious posterior. King Kong, the ape himself, was so darn realistic looking, it was just amazing. The darn ape looked real. And come on, he fights three T-Rexes at the same time. Three of them. You just can't beat that. So King Kong, ladies and gentlemen, if you ain't seen it, 
Go see it. That's all I'm going to say. Thank you. And now for 30 seconds of nonsense. I like pudding. I like pudding so much that one day I, I think I'll build a monument to pudding. You know, something that can something that can be seen from outer space. A great giant pudding cup so large that when the little green men arrive to do battle with us over our natural resources, well, they'll know where the pudding's at. You know, the only thing better than pudding is, well, more pudding. I wish I could eat pudding every day of the week. And I think that one day I will. 30 Seconds of Nonsense is brought to you by Metropolis Waste Management, where your trash is Gotham's trash. And now for a little peek at what's in Stephen's book bag this week. This week, I have DMZ on the ground in my book bag. Time to rocket from the Delta to the DMZ. Is that me, or does that sound like an Elvis Presley movie? Viva Da Nang. Oh, Viva Da Nang. Da Nang me, Da Nang me. Why don't they get a rope and hang me? Sorry. I I watched uh, Good Morning Vietnam after I, I read the book. Uh, anyway... DMZ is written by Brian Wood, who also handles art chores with Ricardo Bricelli. This is a DC Vertigo book, so it's another one not meant for the kiddies. So, America is embroiled by a second civil war. There's not much info given about the war, apart from the fact that the free states are on the New Jersey side of Manhattan, and the United States are on the other, with Manhattan designated as the DMZ. Now, not much is known about what goes on in the DMZ, and when intern camera guy Matthew Roth is invited by a news agency to tag along with the leading journalist to cover what's happening in the DMZ, well, let's just say everything goes bad as Matthew is the only person to survive a bloody attack on the news crew and the military force sent to escort them, and Maddie is left behind in the DMZ. He is given the opportunity to get out, but decides to stay behind and chronicle the lives of those folks stuck in the middle of the war. Now, the book was okay. I'm not going to go out, you know, rush out and get the next trade, you know, if there is one. But I did enjoy it. You know, I'd, I'd recommend it to anyone who likes to read the kind of book that has a lot to say about how war affects those who are caught in the middle of it. So it did have a good story to tell, but eh, it was all right. But that's what's in my book bag this week. And now for everyone's favorite waste of space on the Internet, The View from Norman, Oklahoma, a weekly segment in which our resident bitter old fanboy pisses and moans about the state of the comic book industry or just about anything that generally pisses him off. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you Norman, Oklahoma.
tried to call a 1-800 number in order to get yourself a little customer service? Have you found that the operator you talked to wasn't really all that helpful and, frankly, was downright rude? Have you then ever considered that the reason for this rude and unhelpful behavior may very well have been your fault? I want you to take a moment to think about that last question. Think hard. Sure, it's entirely possible that you really did talk to an operator who is just an all-around foul-tempered person whose goal in life is to ensure that they never help one single person who calls into their center. Or perhaps they were just having a bad day and they decided to take it out on you. Or maybe, just maybe, you were the problem the whole time and you just didn't realize it. This week, I want to talk about call centers. No, no, I don't mean those places that call while you're in the middle of dinner to try to sell you the latest in foot care. I'm talking about all those helplines out there. The customer service centers that you call when you need help with your computer, your stereo, your phone bill, or just to ask a question or two about the latest in foot care products. Now, I have worked as an operator in an inbound call center for the past 23 years. And by utilizing those 23 years of expertise, I have taken it upon myself to write a guide, an instruction manual, if you will, on how to use the phone. A teaching tool that will help ensure that the next call you make to a help center is a pleasant experience for both you and the operator. Now, one of the things I've learned after taking a 100 or so calls a day every day for 23 years is that there are many different types of people in the world. But I've found that most of them, at least the people I talk to, could all be lumped into various categories or color types. These are the people I used to talk to every day before my glorious promotion that finally broke the chains of bondage that kept me tied to that darn phone day in and day out. And I'm hoping that what you will get out of this is a desire to strive to do your very best to avoid, in any way possible, being one of these people. Now, the first one I want to talk about I like to call the phone whisperer. On average, I would usually talk to about four people a day who couldn't seem to find the ability to speak above a whisper. Regardless of how many times I would politely ask them to please speak up or repeat what they've just asked, all they could manage was the thinnest wisp of a voice that could only be heard if I covered one of my ears to block out all the surrounding noise. Now, I've been known to whisper now and again, but it's usually just for one purpose, so others would not hear what I'm saying to the specific person I'm speaking with. To use this logic, I can only assume that there are other people in the caller's vicinity that the caller does not want to be privy to the conversation. Okay, I get that. But were I in that position, then I'd just leave the room. Oh, sure, you could play devil's advocate and say that maybe the caller doesn't own a cordless phone. Or that maybe the caller has a voice problem. But playing devil's advocate negates what I hope is the humor in this article, so knock it off. So... Ignoring any physical difficulties, who are these people? Are they calling from a crowded theater? Doubtful, but I wouldn't put it past most of these people. Maybe they're calling from the trunk of a car. After calling the police, they decided to use the time spent waiting on the cops to call in and find out about the latest in hair care products and don't want to let their abductors know that they have access to a cell phone. Yeah, I'm sure that's the case. Alright, the next one I like to call the fly guy. The fly guy is that dude that physically needs loud music around them at all times in order to survive. And not just any loud music, loud rap music. Now how do I know that this is a physical requirement? Because they call with their darn stereos pumping so loud that I can never hear a darn word they're saying. So what is really going on with these people? Were they dancing the day away in the middle of a crowded club and suddenly fell upon the idea of giving us a call to get some info about the price of paperback novels in Thailand? 
Now, I can understand the love of music. I happen to be a lover of music myself. However, if I am forced to repeat myself over and over and louder and louder because the operator can't hear me over the wall vibrating bass beat in the background, then I think it's time to turn that stereo down a couple notches. Next one I got here, I like to call the novelist. The novelist will call and ask a very simple question with a very simple answer. Gary's going to help me out with this one. Gary, let's give an example. Oh, okay. Uh, can you please tell me what comes on your three-meat pizza? Now, at that point, I should be able to tell him our three-meat pizza, along with mozzarella cheese on our signature pizza sauce, comes with pepperoni, beef, and Italian sausage. However, before such a simple answer can be stated, the novelist then wants to go and do a 20-minute backstory about why they need to know what comes on the three-meat pizza. Gary, you see, my uncle, who was in town for a couple of weeks on account of the local job market in Dayton being what it is and needing to find a new job, came to stay with us to see about getting himself a good career here in our fair city. Anyway, my uncle was once captured during the Vietnam War. Is it war or conflict? I can never remember anymore. Some people call it the Vietnam War, some call it the Vietnam Conflict. It's always confusing to me. Anyway, he was captured and spent three years in a POW camp being tortured by having crisp stalks of celery beaten about his head every 30 minutes. And since then, he has never been able to so much as look at celery, much less taste it, regardless if it's been chopped up or still in its original stock form without really wigging out. So I always ask what's in whatever food I have to order whenever he's in town so he doesn't actually get celery-laced pizza and starts wigging out and thinking he's back in the jungle again. Plus, my son, he just turned 12 yesterday, is allergic to bacon. It makes his big toe on his right foot swell up like a balloon on steroids and forces him into the bathroom with the mean case of the plops for hours on end. So I want to make sure that there ain't no bacon on that pizza either. You see what I mean? Keep it simple. That's all I ask. Now the next one we got here is known as the unknowingly insincere. These people always start out the call by asking, How are you doing today? And before I can even squeak out the first syllable of my response, they have already barreled in with their question. This is what our culture has progressed into. We are taught from day one about being polite, and it's gotten to the point that we are being polite not because we care for and respect our fellow man, but instead are being polite for the sake of being polite. Most people have just gotten so used to greeting others with the standard question of how are you or something similar that it's become so second nature to ask that we've forgotten that there should be a response to the question. The response itself is so automated and unconsciously given that most of the time it's just a big hairy lie. Can you guess what the response is? That's right. I'm fine. The unknowingly sincere are those people that take the time to ask you how you're doing, but because it's just become part of their standard greeting, they don't take the time to wait for your automated response. Now I find that offensive. If you don't care enough to wait the few extra seconds it will take to hear my response to how I am doing, don't waste my time for asking. Next up, we got the sniffer. These are people who seem to have a never-ending supply of snot running out of their noses, and to compensate, they tend to sniff loudly into the phone after every other word they speak. Now, the company I work for has a rule. If you need to cough, sniff, clear your throat, burp, whatever, you press the mute button so the caller doesn't have to hear you make rude and disgusting sounds. Why can't the callers be as respectful? I have an idea. Either try blowing your nose before you call, or hold your hand over the phone while you sniff. Next up, we got the slurper. Now, these people disturb me. I'm not sure what the slurper is actually doing, but as you can probably guess by their name, their conversations are always filled with loud slurping and sucking sounds. I'd like to think that they're sucking on a piece of candy or something, but regardless, knock it off. Frankly, 
I don't think I want to know what they're doing. I just wish that they'd do it on their own time. Next, we got the breather. These people breathe heavily into the phone as they speak. It's almost as if they just finished sprinting up the north face of Devil's Tower before calling in. <sighs> Next, we got the crier. I love these people. No matter how small or insignificant their problem is, it always brings them to tears. Some of them even start the call sobbing. Why, why, why can't you control your emotions? Call back when you feel that you can handle the call without blubbering. Next up, we got the interrupter. They ask one question, and before I can even begin to answer, they interrupt me and ask another. I begin to still try to answer the first question, and they interrupt and ask a third question. Okay, I am assuming that these people feel that they need to get all their questions out on the table, or they will forget what it is they wanted to ask. Now, if that's the case, write all your questions down on a piece of paper before calling in and check them off as they get answered. Other than that, just have the respect to wait until I've finished answering one question before you start in with a new one. Next, we got the impatient ones. These people will always have a special place in my heart. This is how a typical conversation with them goes. This is me answering the call. This is Norman. How may I help you today? Yeah, I just wanted to know what the status of my application was. Hello? Now, you'll notice that there was no pause between application and hello. The reason for this is that the impatient ones just assume that if I don't somehow make my presence known the very instant that they have finished speaking, then I'm obviously either not there or that I'm not listening. You should always give the operator a silent count of two, at minimum, before you start to question whether or not the operator is still on the line. Now next up, we got the screamer. You gotta love these people. These are the people that think you can do anything that they ask as long as they phrase their request in the form of a demand and scream that demand at you loudly and forcefully. I blame McDonald's, Walmart, and any other business with a the-customer-is-always-right policy. People have learned that if you yell enough at these places, you get what you want. That's not always the case with every place you go. Please keep that in mind. If you go into a pizza place wanting to buy a transmission for a 1970 Oldsmobile Delta 88, chances are that no matter how big of a scene you make, you won't get what you want. Next up to bat, we got the repeater. This is the person that feels that they have to repeat everything you say back to you. Everything. Every number, every name, every place, every address, every little instruction, everything. This may be a legitimate way for them to remember what it is I'm telling them, but it still bugs me. This is more of a personal pet peeve of mine and is not included on the list for the purpose of teaching. I just like to complain. Now, though I did truly talk to at least two of these people every single day when I was an operator, I also understand that call centers have a reputation for rude and unhelpful behavior for a reason. The reason for this reputation is that some call center representatives are, in fact, very rude and un very unhelpful, depending on where you call. However, not all of them follow that rude and unhelpful procedure. Some of us truly want to help. Think about that next time you call a 1-800-HELPLINE. Don't be one of those people I mentioned above. Strive to be better. Next week, Phone Etiquette, Part 2. School's in session. Okay. Thank you, Norman, for a very informative segment this week. I'm I'm very proud of you. Oh, stick it up your bottom and spin, sucker. And pride has just flown out the window. So with that, why don't we do some bloopers? You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, and I'm too close to the mic. In a particular feature episode, 
feature future. Oh, and speaking of the new of the new forum, um, and it took me out of the movie just for a moment. But that movement was so short. That movement, did I say movement? Dingity dang. And so ends another nose scratching episode. You know the way it goes here, folks. If you want to send in some emails, you can write me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. You also have the opportunity to call and leave a voicemail by calling 1-877-309-8367, extension 212. Please call the voice line. The voice line is lonely. The theme song for the show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at garageband.com. The rest of the music from this week's episode comes from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. So until next week, I'm Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.